Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the R&R Gaming Podcast. We are a part of the Joystick Entertainment Network. I am your host, Byron Reed, and alongside me is my co-host... Ken Rossi. Ken, what's up, man? How are you? It's a lovely Saturday. Yeah, I'm doing really good myself. I'm doing just enjoying good. International Tabletop Day. <laughs> Got any plans for uh, for that at all? Yeah. Maybe I'm, playing I'm, some tabletop games or whatever? I'm yeah. going to avoid playing any tabletop games. <laughs> <laughs> it will just consume your life because what it does to me. Yeah, pretty much. Like Usually when we play tabletops, it's Monopoly. And Monopoly, you know, you start that, at, let's say, like 8 in the morning. You're not done until two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long game for no reason, bro. I can't do Monopoly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I, don't, I refuse. I could understand, uh, you know, back in the day when there wasn't TV and radio, and you didn't really mm-hmm. have much to do. Like that makes sense. I mean, it's it's a great time waster. But now, when there's so much media around and so much to consume, it feels like, oh my god, I'm wasting this time sitting here playing <laughs> Monopoly. <laughs> you can play a better game like D and D or. Uh, and not or you know not a tabletop game but a card game. Uno, you can play that. That's always fun. Yeah, but D and D isn't so much a game. Like, you know, it's it's not for me. Like, I, I, I know it, you're it's not rolling. a game in the traditional sense. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that has a clear end game and a winner and such. Yeah, you know, it's not like you get to the end and you kill the monster. You're like, I win, I win. Right? It's my da, birthday. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That. You should do that next time. You beat a boss or just a monster, like you roll twenties. You just start doing that song. I will, I will get, I will get my bar to do that if he wants to help, of course, because I'm the wizard of the group. Oh, yeah. No, you should have your bard. That would be much better. <laughs> yeah, because if Feldman tries to do that, he'd be. Uh, he looked pretty awkward. <laughs> well, maybe he falls under a spell that makes him do awkward things. <laughs> Char- uh, charm person, for instance. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're losing him. We're losing him. We got to get back. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. This isn't a. This is a, this is a D and D podcast. What's going on? I thought this was a video game podcast. Hey, this is an R and R podcast about gaming in our lives. Yes, hour and hour. Yes, exactly. We did a interview with the guys from Super Retro Maker. Yep. That no. went really well. Yeah, they're really great guys. Yeah, they definitely are. They're super great guys, super nice. Um, and like I said, we did an interview, and we're going to play it for you guys. So uh, sit back and enjoy the interview. My name is Dan Beanfelt, and I'm the programmer and project instigator for Super Retro Maker. Um, and Digital Dominion is just sort of the company that I have been running for the past uh, decade. Um, it was mostly a software consulting company. And now that I've shifted over into game development, I just kind of kept it. So um, we may keep that name as like the studio name when we launch, or we may change it. So it's not not crucial. 
You said it was a software thing at first? Yeah, I did uh, software security consulting after I left uh, the games industry. Um, and then now I'm sort of wanting to get back in. Oh, okay. Try my hand at the indie scene. Yeah. Awesome. What, um, what, what, I'm sorry, what, that's interesting that you left and came back. What made you leave in the first place? I'm curious. Uh, mostly burnout. Um, games the industry game? is definitely a grind. Yeah, no, not that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just that crashed too many cars. I had to get out, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, like video games is not an easy way to make money. Um, so that's if anybody out sure. there is thinking I want to make a lot of money easily, don't go into games. Anyone else, fellas? Introduce yourselves. My name's Matt Livingston. I'm the uh, I'm one of the pixel artists and also the project director. Uh, so I do a little bit of everything, um, everything from marketing, yeah, PR, uh, assigning our task lists, designing certain elements of the game, so on and so forth. So I'm the the team grunt, as you will. <laughs> and and what does uh. What does all of that, I guess, mean for those who aren't familiar with the uh, the, the jargon, basically? Uh, well, I guess basically it would mean um, anything outside of doing artwork, doing programming, doing you know core assets of the game, I handle it. So if somebody shoots us an email, typically I'm the one that jumps back in and responds. So a little bit of everything, honestly. Yeah, traditional roles tend to get broken down at indie studios because there's only so many people and you know everything has to get done somehow right exactly Somebody's you gotta, gotta have somebody for gotta have a uh, five to a player so to speak yeah, yeah. so so that's me <laughs> i'm john hoffman i'm the uh i'm the composer and the sound designer basically uh, oh, okay. i do Very nice. yeah i do other small things too here and there but um that's mainly what i stick to Mostly all the music and all that stuff. Yep. Um, Chris, though, since you're here, um, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and what you do with uh, Super Super Retro Maker. I'm one of the pixel artists. I've done like the Mega Man type of style, and uh, the <laughs> Zelda two type inspired character. What games have you and your staff uh, worked on in the past? So uh, I think I'm the only one with uh, official games industry yeah. experience. Um, yeah, I got my start at Neversoft Entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. And I was there before they became famous for Tony Hawk. So I worked on a game called Skeleton Warriors. Um, it's terrible, so don't go look it up. <laughs> um, and then uh, most recently, I was at Microsoft working on the Forza Motorsport series. Very nice. What did you do over, over there uh, with, with Forza? Um, so I was a graphics programmer, um, and I was responsible for almost everything car-related on uh, the first game, and probably a lot of it on the second game, too. Okay, so I gotta ask, were you there when Neversoft did Spider-Man? Uh, no, that was after my time. Ah. Um, I may or may not have some of my code in that game, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of, my favorite, one of my favorite games as a kid, the Spider-Man games growing up. Oh, yeah? That, that shows my age, I guess. That's how young I am. I do remember going back and visiting the Neversoft guys, though, after I'd left and playing uh, early versions of Tony Hawk. Um, 
and I I knew that they they had a hit on their hands because it was awesome. Yeah, NeverSoft had a great lineup back then on PlayStation. Yeah, definitely. What game got you into wanting to make games? Oh man, um, what game got us in the wanting to make games? That's that's a hard thing to say uh, personally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I've been playing games since I was old enough to hold a controller, and so. It, immediately that was just something that I wanted to do, you know, writing out things on uh, on notebooks and stuff, designing my own games when I was a kid. So I, I, honestly, it, I don't know that I could attribute it to one specific game as much as just games in general, I suppose. Um, that, that PlayStation era games, I think, was probably the biggest influence on me, of course. I, again, that kind of shows my age as well. So. <laughs> That that shows your age. Well, yeah. <laughs> your turn. <then>. My, <laughs> mine is the NES era, the original yeah. NES. So that that shows my age. Um, and yeah, I can't pin it down to one game either. Um, the the first game I remember spending a lot of time on was uh, Jumpman for the Commodore sixty four. Um, but I didn't have any way to make my own games at that point. I was I was too young. Um, so I did a lot of the uh, sketching out levels on graph paper as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it mostly always had, like, just everything in it. Um, I did one game that was sort of like a James Bondy thing, but it also had, like, a driving game to get you between areas on the map uh, and stuff that was, you know, totally un- undoable on the hardware of the time. <laughs> right. uh, Features I would be slashing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely my my game design is stuck in the NES era. Um, and those are the types of games that I still love today. And uh, John, what about you? Bubsy 3D. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, uh, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm in the same boat as Dan, although um, I enjoy 16-bit titles a lot too. I think like the first uh, couple of games that really got me interested in, in the process of making music were actually the Sonic games. Sonic, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's the name of the guy? Makoto uh, Nakamura. Masoto? Masoto Nakamura. Excellent composer, totally underrated, only composed for, you know, two major games in the Sonic franchise. And then, you know, Michael Jackson purportedly took over for Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And then pretty much the rest of the entire franchise went to Jun Sanu, who's, uh, you know, a big fan of throwing guitar and everything. But I actually... I actually enjoyed Sonic 1 and 2 soundtrack the most, I think, out of the entire franchise. And uh, although, like, well, I guess what we're about to talk about, it doesn't actually have much to do with, you know, those uh, aesthetics. Um, they had really catchy melodies. And I, I think that process of composing really influenced me later in life. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a big question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, so I, I've got a question for John, if that's allowed. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, sure. so John, you're kind of a younger guy, at least younger than I am. So I'm wondering yeah. how you uh, got into NES uh, music and how, like, why do you know so much about the NES audio system? Okay, uh, I know a lot about it probably because of um, Jake Kaufman, you know, the Shovel Knight composer. Yeah. Um, I played Shovel Knight in, uh, I guess, towards the end of 2015. Really enjoyed it. Found out he used Tracker. Started uh, researching it extensively, made my first soundtrack uh, at the beginning of 2016, and to, to basically crunch down that timeline into something that's, and 
you know, uh, just to condense it down, basically, I, I kept on researching it, honestly. I, I do this, um, mo you know, mostly as a hobby, although I get paid for it. So that's, uh, it's rewarding. Always a plus. You can get paid for yeah. it. Yeah. Super Retro Maker um, is like Super Mario Maker, but for all the other NES games that you may have loved as a kid, uh, if you're old enough. Um, and it basically lets you create stages that uh, feel like the classic 80s platformers and share them online, play stages other people have made. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to take it beyond what Mario Maker does with a bunch of cool features that we have planned. I think we're going to definitely show up uh, Mario Maker's capabilities in terms of that. Uh, we're giving people a lot more options in terms of what they can build with and what kind of mechanics we allow and that sort of thing. Okay, and it's going to come with like pre-made levels and stuff too, or is it just going to be all user content based? Yeah, we'll actually have um, a campaign mode, which we have eight different gameplay styles. Um, and each one of those campaign modes will be about three or four levels long, and they'll basically play like a classic game. And then as you progress through those campaigns, you'll go through unique environments, uh, face unique enemies and bosses for each one of the levels, and then you'll unlock all that stuff to use in your editor. That's cool. So, it, yeah, so it, it works like, like the old school games, too, in the sense of you don't get everything uh, at the start. You have to work for it, and once you beat right. a certain level or whatever, you'll get the assets. That's really cool. you got to earn it. We're also planning about uh, 100 challenge stages, uh, which will play a bit like um, NES Remix, if you're familiar with that, uh, where there's just very short little uh, segments that target a specific mechanic uh, and increase in difficulty, and they'll, they'll be spread across the eight different styles. There will be lots of music. <laughs> there will be a lot of music. It's... Uh... It's it's profoundly long. I think what we have about an hour and ten minutes of music so far. Yeah. Well, that's uh, as they would appear on the actual soundtrack, though they would loop at least yes. once, right? So yeah. on the soundtrack would be more like two two hours of music. It's a feature length film. It's it's like the Lord awesome. of the Rings extended edition of video game soundtracks. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. so awesome. Hoffy was uh, the first guy to join the project, and he's been insanely productive. So we have a lot of music, and it's all very, very good. How long have you been working on Super Retro Maker? So I have been working on it since um, it's been a little over a year. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to try to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> at least January 2017, because that's uh, that's when you got a hold of me, I think, or it was yeah, that's that's when you started. So you've been on just right. a tad over a year. I think I was a few months before that. So I'm gonna okay. say September of twenty sixteen. A year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. Ouch. Long time. Closer to the two year mark, I would say. It's getting there, yeah. I don't like to think about that. This was supposed <laughs> to be a, a year long project. <laughs> but we know things happen, right? Especially in yeah. development. Yeah. It was pure hubris on my part. They, they always say you take your estimate and then double it, and you still won't meet that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems like we're right about where we should be. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. So uh, tell us about the arcade cabinet experience that was taken to uh, GDC 2018. 
So yeah, that was um, that was my idea, and uh, <laughs> to this day, I like to think that it was a brilliant marketing idea. Um, but in execution, I think it failed in almost every way possible. Um, the first thing that went wrong is uh, it's a solar-powered arcade machine that I was going to show outside of the convention. Oh, jeez. Uh, when I got to San Francisco, it was pouring, and it was, oh, it was no. pour all week long, which is, I've been to GDC several times. It's always beautiful. Uh, it never even crossed my mind that that could happen. So, uh, so eventually the weather decided to give me a break, um, and it turned nice, I think, on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and so this is like a, it's a 200-pound, probably, arcade machine with the battery and, and all the equipment and stuff. Um, so it's not easy to get around. Uh, and I wound up, the, the parking situation wasn't great, so I wound up having to have a friend just sort of drive me and stop traffic wherever we could get a moment, and I would unload the thing. Um, and we set it up in the park, uh, sort of across from the convention center. And immediately we drew a crowd. People were coming around saying, oh, what's this? This is awesome. And we also drew, like, the property manager who kicked me out uh, <laughs> in about five minutes. So I didn't even have the thing running, and I got kicked out. Wow. Um, so I moved it down to the sidewalk, um, started to get things running. Um, everything went wrong. There was a bug in the build. Um, I was missing a cable I needed, you know, whatever. I finally got it running probably around 6 p.m. when everything was shutting down at the, at the conference. Um, and had it running for a little while, and, and people seemed to enjoy it. Um, and then had to pack it up and, and bring it back to the hotel. Um, and then the next day was also supposed to rain, so I went to the Activision party, and I drank way too much and hung out way too late. And so, of course, Thursday was beautiful and sunny, um, and I didn't get out there until late afternoon. Um, but I did get it set up and had it going on the street for a while. And uh, people, some people really liked it. They thought it was awesome. Um, some people walked by. It was in a Street Fighter cabinet. Um, so one thing that I did see happen a lot was people would be like, Oh, awesome, Street Fighter. And then they'd see that it wasn't, and they'd be like, oh. <laughs> so that was, that was really depressing. Um, but by, by the end of Thursday, um, a bunch of people had seen it and enjoyed it. Uh, and one person even walked by and said, oh, hey, I heard about you. Um, Ooh, so that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was the highlight of, of the whole thing. Uh, and then Friday, I had to drive home. Um, but I think if it had been sunny the whole week, it would have been a much smoother process. Um, so I, I would be willing to try it again. But it was it was a pain in the ass. It was a cool idea, though. I will agree with you. There was definitely a cool but idea. A, a lot of people did say that they were like, "Hey, this is a this is a great idea," and I was like, "Yeah, except it it's raining and uh, <laughs> yeah, and driving this down from Seattle was not not easy." Yeah, rain ruins a lot of things. Yeah. Did anybody else go with you, Dan, or was it just you? No, uh, I I wanted to bring Matt out, um, but when I mentioned that we may be sleeping in the car or on the floor, he was like, eh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> to be st then standing outside of the convention all day. You know? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no passion, man. Where's your passion? <laughs>
<laughs> Our passion is safe as long as we have beds to sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I can't argue with you there, though. I can't. So, uh, which of the classics, classic gameplay modes uh, is your favorite? Of the current ones on, on the build? Uh, yeah. Or anyone you're uh, allowed to talk I, about. Yeah, right, right. Or anyone you're allowed to talk about. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I like the one that the Mega Man type and the Castlevania one. Those are like my favorite ones. I think so, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be leaning towards Contra more than likely, but it, we're still pretty early in on those those titles. <laughs> They're not exactly in the game at the moment. Right. Uh, if I had to pick one in the game, it would definitely be the Legend of Zelda two stuff. Good mechanics, really good mechanics in that one. Yeah. It's it's probably it's probably uh yeah yeah what Matt just said uh, the <laughs> well we call it EpiQuest for yeah, now yeah. so I'm gonna say EpiQuest and Giga Girl are both my favorite <laughs> favorites right now and that's and that's mainly because they are the the most well developed uh gameplay styles right now but that remains to be seen maybe in six months you know I might say hey actually the Contra stuff is my favorite so. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, our style that we're calling Bionic Dude. Um, because Bionic Commando is my favorite game ever. Um, I love that game, and it never really got the sequel that it deserved. Um, so I'm That's hoping it. we're gonna, yeah, be the spiritual sequel that that game really needed. All right. So, uh, how many tiles or uh, sprites will be available in the base game, and will there be more added via DLC? A lot. There will be a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're we're planning on shipping with uh, four gameplay styles, and um, as far as tile sets, uh, like we mentioned before, we'll have uh, campaign mode, and each one of those campaign modes will have uh, three stages, and each of those three stages will have three tile sets available, and um, so that's nine tile sets per campaign for a total of thirty six when we ship, uh, and then we'll be adding in DLC packages as well for the other four titles. Okay, very cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you can't talk about any like DLC plans or anything like that. But um, if you if you had to have any like ideas or uh, what's the word? Yeah, I guess I guess ideas will be fine uh, for DLC packs. What kind of things would you like to include? Uh, so yeah. in in the base game, uh, we're, like I said, we're going to be including um, our four biggest titles. Uh, so we'll have the the Metroid inspired. Title. We'll have the uh, the Mega Man inspired one, uh, the Castlevania inspired, and the Legend of Zelda two inspired titles. Um, and then everything else will be pushed back into DLC or what we're calling Volume Two. Um, and then in Volume Two, we're also going to introduce stuff like cutscenes, so you'll be able to create customizable cutscenes inside of your stages. Um, we're also considering adding stuff like top-down mode, um, overworld mapping systems. Uh, additional mechanics and weapons, just all kinds of stuff, honestly. We, we want to just keep going with it as long as the game's active, just add more and more and more. Yeah, if, if we're remotely successful, we have an endless amount of ideas um, for stuff we can add to this game. So I'm hoping we can just keep going and going. Uh, and like Matt said, add overhead gameplay, uh, add shoot-em-up gameplay. Yeah. I want to do something inspired um, by Excitebike um, and there's just endless stuff we could add to this. So I'm hoping we get to do that. Yeah, I know, John, you're the music guy, so would there be anything you would want to do with uh, music as far as that stuff goes? 
Oh geez, uh, it's it's in a pretty it's a pretty extensive list, you know. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with like listening to the OST over and over, and I love thinking about what what I could have done differently. Uh, something that's been constantly at the back of my mind is, well, okay. Uh, to to give a brief bit of background, um, I'm kind of doing what Jake Kaufman did for Shovel Knight. I'm using these things called expansion chips on the soundtrack, which uh, allow me to use multiple channels. So you end up getting a much more uh, lush sound out of the Nintendo Entertainment System than you would have if it was a stateside release. But what I would like to eventually do is come up with uh, basically rearrangements of all the tunes that are actually stripped down to the essentials. So no expansion chips and as simple as possible. Because there actually are people out there that don't like expansion chips. It's pretty surprising to me, but um, there is a hefty amount of people out there that prefer the stateside release of Castlevania 3 to the Japanese one, quoting that the Japanese one has way too much stuff going on. So, yeah, it, it, it interests me for sure. Uh, Chris, what about you? Anything you would like to uh, uh, see as far as DLC goes for your game? Any ideas running, uh, going going in the head of yours? Oh, gee. You know, <laughs> I'm, like a, I'm like a huge retro gaming fan, so... I constantly like give Dan ideas about things we should add, like new concepts, adding new games and stuff. So, like, uh, I generally have to like tone it tone it down a bit because we keep adding more ideas and more stuff that we would love to add to the game, but we we just have to like focus on on some some of the current stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, that it makes sense. Uh, I would say Chris is responsible for this game being late. <laughs> nice. So, uh, is there any is there any uh, cu customizing in the game beyond the level editor? I know you talked about the cutscene thing earlier. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, we have a we have a lot of customization options. Um, for one, you'll be able to pick uh, palette selections on like any of the tiles and entities and stuff in the game. So you'll be able to just completely customize like the colors of everything. Um, and then, of course, we have all those different environments. And each one of the levels in the campaign stages are going to be uh, very unique. So you won't see the same thing repeated over and over again, each one of those campaigns. So uh, between the, just the color changing and all the mixing and matching, I think people are going to be able to create some really unique stuff uh, just in that itself. And then there's all the, uh, the cutscene stuff, uh, obviously, as well. Uh, we also have a feature that we don't often get to talk about very much, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, the record and playback feature, which allows people to effectively take control of an entity, uh, so an enemy or a boss, and then play them with a controller like you would a, a player character. And you can record those inputs that you put. So you will be able to create custom AIs that you can set up for your bosses and your enemies and stuff. That's super cool. I don't think I've ever uh, heard of any type of uh, maker game doing something like that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It sh should be a fantastic feature. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what people get to do with that. Yeah, yeah. you can use that uh, for in-game stuff. Um, for controlling sort of how enemies behave, but you can also use it to make uh, your own cutscenes with dialogue uh, and whatnot. So I hope people go crazy with that feature. Yeah, we also have like speech bubbles and stuff, so you can actually like type dialogue in the game and record that as well. So it should be pretty interesting. 
Okay, very cool. So this is a question for all of you, since we're on the topic of customization. Uh, what's the what's the craziest thing you've done with the game in general, just in creating, uh, messing around with it, testing things out? I'm sure. I think our alpha testers are probably finding the craziest stuff. Uh, yeah, I I tend to do like what um, like what it was programmed to do. Right. So my stuff is pretty vanilla, but uh, yeah, our, our alpha testers have come up with some crazy stuff already. Um, Matt, do you want to take them through the uh, the exploding treasure chests? Oh yeah, the, uh, so we have this um, we have this treasure chest, which you may have seen in some of our videos and stuff. Uh, when you break the treasure chest, jewels explode out of them, and those jewels and the explosion itself, uh, some alpha testers have actually figured out that they can use that as like an engine to propel these blocks forward and push the player to give them additional momentum on ice blocks. <laughs> yeah, and then they use that to make these insane jumps with it. It's, I mean, it's nuts. Just stuff like that has been insane so far in Alpha. And that's really the stuff I'm looking forward to most in the game is seeing what people come up with that I didn't you know, even envision with it. Because um, that's what will make the game fun for me to play. Um, yeah. All the levels that we're going to make, uh, by the time we ship them, are going to be pretty boring to me because I'll have played them a million times and I know exactly what you're supposed to do. So I'm really looking forward to what um, users come up with and playing through those levels. And, and in my experience, they always surprise you with what they're able to do. Yeah, because I've seen stuff on Mario Maker where it's like I didn't even, didn't even know you could do that with the game. So, I mean, that's that's the beauty of, of of a project like this as well. You know, it's people thinking outside of the box like that. It's, it's really nice. Uh, John or Christopher, anything else to add on the uh, on the topic? Uh, there there was this one level. Um, I don't remember the name of the creator, so I, I'm sorry, man, if you if you end up listening to this later on. Uh, <laughs> but he yeah, made this. Uh, it's a huge puzzle level. It's it's absolutely massive. It took me about 29 minutes to beat, partially because I'm stupid, partially because it is actually really long. But one of one of the uh, puzzles involved. Uh, okay, so we've got these. We've got these. Um, uh, what are the, what do we what do we call them? They're like these moving. They're moving platforms, but um, they're like minecarts. 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 Right. So um, he made this puzzle that involved a very specific amount of timing that you had to use on when you launch the minecart. So that it would go down a specific channel and not get moved by a raising platform, so that it could go into a different channel and that you would you would have to follow it, and that once it followed the correct route, you would jump onto it as it was jumping off a cliff, and then use the increased momentum to to cross a, uh, to get across the chasm. It's 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 actually really hard to put into words, but uh, it, it actually kind of blew my mind when I was when I was playing through the last portion of this level. It was uh, really well put together. So, um, yeah, uh, to sort of tail on to what Dan and Matt were saying, um, emergent gameplay is it's a really fascinating thing to watch because you you know you only have a certain number of mechanics in mind when you're working on a game like this and you're not even aware of all the different possibilities people can come up with just based on a very few simple but solid mechanics. And uh, credit to level editor guy for that level. Yeah. Um, he's, he's been a fantastic alpha tester Le so far. Level design. Was, that was level his name, huh? Guy. Yeah, it's, it's level design guy. Uh, 
Okay, well, I'm glad you guys knew which one I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great that's a great puzzle stage. He, he did a nice job with that. It is. Uh, Chris, anything from you? Um, no, not not really. I mean, uh, the levels I tried to make, uh, I tried to take the engine and use it in ways that are not really expected, but very traditional, right? The the alpha testers have gone out of their way and made like incredible stuff with that. So has the price been set at all? Um, I guess I wouldn't say that we've settled on a final price, uh, but we are an indie game, so we will be in the uh, indie friendly price range. Okay, sounds good to me. Twenty to thirty dollars is what we're anticipating. Will Super Retromaker be releasing on any consoles? So uh, we certainly would love to be on all of the consoles. Um, Specifically, uh, Xbox, PS4, and Switch uh, would be great to be on. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to say regarding some of that, uh, so that should hopefully give you a clue that there is stuff in the works, okay, and hopefully we'll be able to announce something soon. All uh, right. But we will be out on Steam first. Uh, consoles will come after that, but we are definitely doing our best uh, to get onto some consoles. Uh, yeah, we do have our Steam page up, so if anybody out there is interested, uh, you can go ahead and wishlist us right now. Okay. You guys, Are you guys going to do like a little uh, demo build or anything to get people uh, excited for it? Or? Yeah, we, we plan on releasing a uh, public demo with our Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to butt in real quick here, though. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so no plans to release this on the original NES? <laughs> we get asked that sometimes, uh, like, uh, hey, can can I run this on my NES? Um, and the answer is no, no way, not going to happen, <laughs> never, ever. Um, just to give um, a little bit of the reasoning why. So the NES had uh, 2K of RAM, and our main player sprite, one frame of it, takes about 2K of RAM in memory. Wow. Um, so the fact that people were able to make games on the NES, um, just, it, it blows my mind. Just, I have absolute respect for anybody that made any game on that system. Even if it was a crappy game, I understand. Um, they got so much out of such limited hardware. Um, but yeah, there's no way our games would ever run on anything close to NES hardware. Uh, when are you planning on releasing, uh, Super Retromaker? Uh, well, we'd love to have um, uh, a beta out this year. We want people playing it as soon as possible. Um, so I think that's what we're shooting for. Um, early access this year, and then uh, full release whenever we have it all done. I like that answer. I like it. When it's we're, ready. <laughs> we're yeah, we're, we're kind of anticipating early February, but you know, then again, it's when it's done, ultimately. Yeah, that's that's one advantage of being an indie uh, is we're gonna we're gonna release it when we're ready to release it. Yeah, you're gonna take your time, make sure everything works as it's supposed to, and all the other stuff. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Either yeah. that, or you're working on Valve time. <laughs> right. Well, we don't have Valve money, so we can't <laughs> yeah. we can't quite be on Valve time, but we're 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 running on our own time scale. Yeah. No doubt. So, uh, final question for for you guys: 
is there a uh, a next project a next project that you're working on or uh and if so can you share any any info on that um what other I, things just strictly focused on what you're doing at the moment yeah i guess if if things work out our next project will be directly related to this one um uh, so like i said earlier we'd love to keep adding content to this uh we'd love to make full games uh using this engine um, so I, I think it's safe to say whatever we wind up doing after this will be very related to this game, uh, if not, you know, direct uh, follow-up content, additional content, or whatnot for this game. Okay, great, fantastic. Um, does anybody have anything else to add before uh, we wrap up the interview here? So uh, I closing closing thoughts or anything. <laughs> I thought somebody was going to ask me about parallax in the game and and how much parallax you should have. <laughs> at, at, at least at least four to five, right? That's the, the only the only advice I've ever given to the artist is more <laughs> parallax, please. More parallax. Yeah. <laughs> I want more layers in my background. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Thank you again. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you guys on and dealing with all of my nervousness and fumbling over words and things like that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been a pleasure being here. So thank you very much for doing this. Yep. Of course. And looking forward to playing the game when it comes out, guys. That interview was super great. Um, like I said, those guys are really nice guys, and I'm lo looking forward to playing the game when it comes out. Yeah, me too. I hope lots of other people will get into it as well. It looks like yeah, a great game. They're great guys. I think it's a it's a win-win. For everybody, exactly. If you're a fan of uh, retro games and all that, you should definitely uh, check it out. Because mm -hmm. one's not enough, and mm -hmm. two is too low. It's three dog bow wow with the news. We got some news for you guys this week, as always. Um, if you want to take it away, you can. All right. Sorry, guys. We're not doing the news anymore. Oh, uh, well, Why all right. Let me take it away. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. no. I, yeah, I'll start. Um, we got some news coming out of Sony. And they've revealed that the PlayStation 4 has sold 76 million units. However, sales are declining. Hmm. So in its first full year financial results for 2017, Sony revealed that it had sold 76.1 million PlayStation 4 consoles since its launch in 2013. 19 million of these came in the last fiscal year, but sales are beginning to slow. Because in 2016, Sony sold 20 million PlayStation 4s. So after selling 19 million in 2017, the company expects to shift uh, only 16 million this year, which will end in March of 2019. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... <clears throat> uh, don't know if that downward trajectory is because it's been revealed that the PlayStation 5 
like dev kits are out for it and so maybe people are like you know waiting for the playstation 5 or mm-hmm. what um or if just everybody has a playstation 4 and they're done with it i don't it, know or... man i don't know it, it's it's sort of weird i um i haven't uh played my ps4 in a while mostly because it's not in my room that however it doesn't say anything about you know why i don't play the console as much but that's the big reason why i don't personally uh but i think uh that and this is a matter of opinion of course that both consoles uh lack uh true exclusives yeah um so for both consoles like for for me the for me that's a big selling point for why i have my uh my, my, my ps4 is for the exclusives that i can't get on xbox Right, like like I can't get Bloodborne, I can't get the show, um, I can't get Uncharted, things like that uh, on PS4. Detroit so become most, human. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Detroit become human, exactly. So those are the games that I want to get on PS4 because I can't get them anywhere else. And same thing goes for Xbox. So really, I can't get <clears throat> certain games on there like Crackdown. That's right. and Halo, but that's kind of Forza. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I get you, and I definitely think PlayStation has more of the exclusives. Yeah, they have more of them. Yeah, um, I wouldn't really say that they're good exclusives, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, I keep circling the wagons with this. I just don't like the uh, system that the PlayStation Four uses. Like they're, it, it's like a a trash down version of their XMB that they had for the PlayStation 3. And I just don't like it. It doesn't feel welcoming to me. Right? The uh the um the UI you mean? Yeah, like the main system with the square boxes and you have to keep going yeah. right to find your stuff and mm-hmm. like it's all there and and when you go over something ship comes up below like maybe you'll be <laughs> interested in this watching this person buying this DLC. Oh look, you got a trophy. You know, like I feel like that stuff doesn't need to be there and I, I wish it wasn't there. So I I mostly play on the Xbox 1 because I like its system and I like how it does stuff. Yeah. And I only play on my PlayStation 4 for those exclusives that I can't get elsewhere. Yeah, the UI is friendlier to you and that's a big reason why you play more on your P- on your Xbox 1 versus your PS4. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Right. And now I have so many friends on the Xbox that it's like if I'm going to buy a game, you know, if I buy it on the PlayStation 4, I'll be wasting my money because nobody plays. Like I bought For Honor and I didn't play with anybody that I knew that had For Honor. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, so I was like, well, that was a waste of money. <laughs> um, but no. <clears throat> so definitely the Xbox is, is where I'm going to pretty much stay. Um, and so back to the story here. Um, I mean, it could be also declining because the Switch is out and the Switch sold a lot of units. Yeah. And maybe those few people that um, don't have a PlayStation 4 yet are like, well, I'm going to hold off on the PS4, get a Switch. That's, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah, very, very real possibility. Yep. But that's all I had to say, man. We can okay. move on to your first story. All right, fair enough. I'm going to get this, this out of the way. Uh, the Destiny uh, 2 Warmind reveal stream. 
was what? uh first time yeah. with the destiny wow yeah gonna get out the way early yeah so uh for those that miss the stream or you want or want more info about it uh here you go so they showed off a new endgame activity called escalation protocol uh the new public space called uh Hel hellas basin which is on mars Mm -hmm. the, we, they also went into the crucible later and they showed off some of the new exotic exotic, we, exotic weapon changes and they explained a little bit about the uh, new crucible ranking system so just a quick overview of escalation protocol uh, it's the evolution of the court of Orits archon forge downloads from uh, from d1 so this is a seven wave event that can be started at any time from the Hellas basin area I just progress through the waves, there'll be different bosses, there'll be different mini-bosses and, and such. Um, and on the seventh wave, there's a big boss that you'll fight. And that I seventh wave... going to say, and then God rested. <laughs> <laughs> and on the, so on the seventh wave, yeah. yeah. So, so on the seventh wave, there's going to be a big boss that you'll have to take down. And there will be five different, five different bosses in... Uh, Five different seventh wave bosses, if that makes any sense at all, and they will uh, rotate uh, every week for five weeks. So once they rotate uh, through the five weeks, you'll have all those bosses. And the cool thing, the really cool thing about this that has my attention, is that the event will come with its own set of armor and weapons exclusive to that that uh, this event. And this is a, another way to get to. Uh, the new max light, which is 380. It's like the, the hard cap. Okay. Soft cap's like 340. Uh, max is 380. And that's, I think that's, that's without mods, I believe, which is nice. But so, yeah, and then to go, let's talk a little bit about the Crucible ranking system that they're doing. Uh, there, there are two ranking systems there's Valor and Glory. Valor is used for quick play, and Glory is only used in competitive. That doesn't include Trials of the Nine or Iron Banner. Those are two separate things. Their own their own things with their own rewards and things like that. So that's completely separate. Okay. The the Valor system, you get points for just 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 completing matches. You get more points if you win, but less if you lose. Um, the glory system, which again is only used for competitive, uh, is purely based on win. So performance based. You have to get your W's in order to go up the ranks. So, so you, you don't win, lose yeah. any points for L's. You do. If oh. you if you yeah, yeah. If you win, if you win your score goes up. If you lose it goes down. Think of it like the Overwatch competitive style. How well, they do it. So wait, what's the difference between the two then? Because didn't you just say that uh if you get a win you get lots of points, if you get a loss, you lose points? Okay, no. With okay, so with Valor, with the Valor system, mm -hmm. you're gonna earn point. You're gonna, you're always gonna be going up, no matter what. Okay. That's Valor is purely used for quick play. So with Valor, you're Valor, you're getting points and going up, no matter what. You get more points if you win. Okay. With Glory, you you uh you gain points if you win. You lose points if you lose. Okay. Okay. And is there so, a third one or? No. Nope, those are the only two systems that they have. But the uh, the ranks go from the ranks go uh, guardian, brave, heroic, fabled, mythic, and legend. And players will, will receive uh, reward packages when they uh, when they reach a new level in valor or glory. Uh, but they said that if you 
So let's say you go from Guardian to Brave, right? Right. And let's say you're playing competitive and using the glory system, and you fall out of Brave and go back to Guardian. Once you hit Brave again, you won't earn another package. So you have to keep going up in order to get the reward packages, if that makes sense. Okay. But this isn't like, <clears throat> excuse me, this isn't mm -hmm. like every month you're going to get a package based on your ranking. This is no. like once you get to that ranking, congratulations, here's a package. Correct. Yep. Once you once you reach that next tier, you'll get a, you'll get another reward package. And uh, for the uh, for the glory uh, side of it, there's an exclusive weapon that you can only get once you reach the fabled tier, which is the top forty percent. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be going for this weapon. <laughs> um, the uh, weapon, yeah, thank you. And, and, I mean, that really the top forty percent. It's it's not. Uh, I don't I don't think it's uh, out of everyone's reach. Right. But it's but it's definitely something you're gonna have to put in the time to get to. If that makes sense. Right. Uh, so the weapon is a pulse rifle, and it's called Redrix's Redrix's Claymore, and it's only available for season three. So once season three ends, you won't be able to get the weapon anymore, which I love personally. Does season three start with expansion two. Yes, May eighth. Okay. Why don't they just call it season three then? <laughs> No. What do you mean? Well, <clears throat> because you have seasons one, two, and three, and I have expansions one and two. Like, why not just call Warmind season three? Well, well, no, no, it is like the Warmind DLC is the start of season three. So I Exa mean, they're, exactly, they're one and the same. So why call it expansion two? It's second expansion. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what you mean. Well, <laughs> I'm not understanding you. It, I guess it's, it's I mean. kind of like, um, let's say baseball playoffs. Yeah. And it's the playoffs, but then calling yeah. it season two. Like, why not just call it the playoffs? The whole thing is the playoffs. Why? Why are you classifying it as season two? Well, we'll, we'll see the thing. The thing. The, the thing with Bungie and season. how they and how they do their seasons. Like what well, I said this before, them? they. I'm I'm explaining to you how they do their seasons. I guess I'm not defending them. Just giving an explanation for why they do it this way. Uh, the seasons they have, you know, they have different. Uh, they have a lot of things that come with the seasons, like the uh, the um, the rewards. The um, there's new so, like ghosts and so sparrows and ships and all that stuff. You're saying that um, I don't have to buy expansion two to participate in season three. Correct. Yeah, like if you if you don't buy uh, the expansion, you just the only thing you won't have access to is the is like the the story stuff that comes with it, and the and the multiplayer maps for private matches. Everything else you'll get. So even the new gear. Yeah, the exclusive Warmind gear. Yeah, they're not. No, no, oh no, because you won't have the DLC. Like you'll still be able to do other things, but all the all the DLC related stuff, like the social, like the new uh, Hellas Basin, and that stuff, you won't have access to. But you have access to everything else. So like the ranking system and stuff, you have access to that. And there's a few other things that you'll, that you'll get as well. But you won't be like, you won't be as locked out. 
I'm not I'm not sure how to season one explain to season two. it. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's not like you won't be able to do the raid because you don't have season three. You don't have the DLC. Okay. So yeah. I have one last question and I'll let you finish sure, yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, do these new rankings with uh, Glory and what was it, Valor? Yes. Um, are those like uh, set up so it doesn't matter what gear you have, like everybody's equal? Or is that like Iron Banner and you have to have good gear or you're going to suck? Well, what they, and you know what? They actually did change the Iron Banner for Destiny 2. They changed it so the power doesn't matter, which in my opinion is makes the Iron Banner a little less pointless or a little more pointless just because that was sort of the whole point. Yeah. But, yes, um, with, the, with, the, uh, with the way the game modes work now, there's no uh, – difference in power in terms of weapon you know so if you go in at 270 light and you go up against mighty who's maxed the new cap 380 or whatever uh it won't be a big deal okay yeah it all depends on the weapons they use and all that stuff because i mean regardless regardless there are weapons that are better than others and things of that nature just like any other you know fps right so yeah, but I am uh, really really looking forward to the Warmind uh, DLC and all of that that comes with it. I'm gonna be going. I'm gonna be going for the weapon uh, for the for glory. It'll give me reason to actually play competitive. So there's that. And uh, just just a quick little thing before I let you go on to your next story. Uh, I was listening to uh, Dado talk about how uh, he thinks that rankings are good for everyone mm-hmm. and. Uh, personally, I'm I'm of the same uh, of the same agreement because if you go into something like quick play, it's it's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're gonna get. You could go up against somebody like Triple Wreck or Luminosity or Watts or you know somebody who's really good at PvP. But if you go into competitive, um, you know, for 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 the first like you know few weeks or so. You might match up against those people just because everyone starts at the guardian level, and then you'll. But eventually, it will, it will come into form where if you are at that guardian level, you're not gonna go up against someone who's at the legend tier. That's not gonna happen. So you're gonna be going against players that are in your skill level, um, and it's going to make it a better experience for you and everyone else involved you may still you may still get stumped and you may still stomp some people uh but that's just how that's just how that works right you know like, like it's it's not a matter of discouraging people it's you know if you you know if, if you want to uh get good and put the time into it you will be rewarded if you don't then you won't and that's fine too you know yeah, but that's all I have to uh, say on the matter. I'm looking forward to playing it, hoping it'll it'll excite people. I don't think I'm gonna say this right now. If you are not a fan of Destiny Two in its current state, will this bring you back full time, or you know, get you to play it more often? Probably not. But will it at least get you to check it out for a few weeks and see if you like it? I think it will do that. The big change is, I think, if if the summit. If what was talked about at the summit and what I've heard so far 
from things they're actually allowed to talk about from the summit, uh, if those things are actually taken into consideration, taken seriously, I think the fall will be the big change that Destiny 2 is going to need to get it to come back into uh, the good graces with the overall community. And people will start to uh, play it more and it will become more of a hobby again for some people. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, so <laughs> move along. <laughs> um, because Nintendo has said that their E3 plans for this year will focus on Super Smash Brothers for the Switch. Oh. So right now, <clears throat> the only thing that they've uh, kind of announced... Uh, that they're going to be doing at E3 this year is that they're going to have a Splatoon 2 World Championship that will take place um, Monday, June 11th and Tuesday, June 12th. And then the Super Smash Bros. Invitational uh, will be done on June 12th. And then they're going to have the Treehouse Live from June 12th to uh, June 14th on there. And... Uh, I guess what I'm kind of hearing or reading is that they're not going to focus on any new games. They're just going to focus on games that are coming out this year with Smash Brothers being the really big game that they're going to promote a whole bunch. So I don't think they won't announce uh, a couple new games or show off some new stuff because... They kind of did that last E3, and that worked for them. So it kind of would seem silly to not um, kind of like give a little taste, a teaser of what's coming out. Yeah, uh, a couple down of years. the road. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if they didn't do something like that. But they did the same thing last year. They focused on it was Super Mario Odyssey, and that was all they focused on with their E3 stuff, pretty much. And so I expect them to do the same thing, but at least announce or show off some new games uh, in their little uh, teaser trailer thingy before the show. Yeah, I I think we can probably talk, we talk about this more in the, I guess, preview to E3 episode later down the road. But E3 has become the place, at least over the last few years, from what I've seen anyway, where you go from talking about things that are coming two, three years down the road Versus things that are coming out, you know, within the next few months, which, in my opinion, I think that's the better way to do it. That's just me. Personally, I would rather hear you talk about things that are coming this fall or, you know, or spring of, uh, you know, next year, whatever. Yeah, well, Sony uh, did that last year. That's just me, personally. They, everything they showed was, like, next year. Like, they didn't really show anything that came out last year at their E3. I'm 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 all for surprises. I'm all for you know, seeing or hearing something that I didn't expect. I would love that actually, uh, but at the same time, uh, I'd much rather hear about things that are on the horizon, versus right. like, versus you know, like I said, a few years down the road. Right. But you'd, we can save that for <laughs> later on. You'd rather them go surprise. This game's coming out in a month. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, hey guys. Yeah, a new spoon or so. Guess when it's coming out? Yeah. Well, you know, they tried this to do year. that with um, Super Mario uh, and the Rabbids game. Whatever. Yeah. I forget what that's called. But, um, I still want to play that, man. <laughs> yeah, it got leaked 
um, like a month before E3, before it was supposed to be announced at mm. E3. It got yeah, ripped. that's part of the information age. I know. Well, I I just don't get like if it's um, uh, journalists that are like, oh wow, I can't keep this information, so they anonymously uh, leak it. Yeah. Or if it's game developers that are like they've held on to it for so long they have to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. But I mean, either way, it's still messed up. Yeah. Because you should be saving. You should be saving all the big surprises if you know E3 is coming up in a month or two. Yeah. Just save it. Because yeah. people if, want to be surprised. People want to go, oh my goodness, what? You if, know, you about this? Yeah, if the movie industry can do it, why can't the gaming industry? Yeah. No one likes surprises anymore, apparently, man. Nope. But like I said, we can save that for another for the E3 preview episode, I'm sure. Yeah, so what's your uh, next news? The next news story that I have talks about uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider and just a little bit about what to expect with uh, the next iteration of the game. So in the past few games, they're still building Lara in the uh, origin story. Right. So they're going to continue to do that with uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. But with this one, they say that uh, they want to make Lara face consequences. So the game takes place after the events of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Lara and Jonah are on the hunt for a Mayan, a Mayan artifact in South America, and uh, the Corporation of Trinity is also looking for this as well. Um, the journey and the adventures that uh, she's been on to this point will make her question the savior status she believes she has, basically. Uh, and Crystal, Crystal Dynamics is hoping that this will be a huge turning point for her character. So I, I I'm expecting a uh, a darker, more gritty game. Right. I guess. In terms of if they really want to lay lay the uh, lay the consequences point home and lay it on thick, uh, you know they'll have some key moments for Lara to have to go through, and maybe maybe what I think would be cool would be to let us let us decide as players, let us decide what happens. And maybe they take those consequences into the next game. I think that'd be pretty cool. Right. What I think would be pretty cool is if they're going to add these consequences, if you screw up and she, like, gets impaled on a piece of wood in a rapids, then that's game over and you got to start over. I think think that... (laughs) Because that's the major consequences. You can't deny that, right? Yeah, no, no, you're you're definitely right. Uh... But that would be that would have to be done through like a, a quick time event sort of thing. Like it couldn't be like, oh, story based. You wake up and you're dangled by your feet or whatever. You know. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. That would be really punishing, though. Really hey, punishing. If it's all about the consequences, you gotta, you know, bring your A game. Bring your bring your A game. Yeah, yeah. yeah otherwise, makes... you could just screw up and let her die, and it ha- that's there's no consequence. Yeah. In, in most games, there's no consequence for dying. I'll respawn. Exactly. I'll start again. Or whatever. So if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna tout consequences, you gotta go with that. Yeah, I think I think it will be just like I think it'll all be story based and what the writers have decided for these things to happen. Right. But I think it'd be cool, cooler, coolest dare I say, um, if they uh, if they had some sort of overarching. Uh, story consequence where you can make a choice since something happens and all that that would be cool for me to see right or 
if you kill a bunch of people, you're thrown in jail for being a mass murderer, <laughs> as opposed to like just knocking them out or not killing them, you know, sneaking around them. Yeah, or yeah, or, or even something like uh, Dishonored does with, with with the chaos system. You know, like you were like like you were saying. You know, uh, you go around, you start killing a bunch of people, uh, and you know, you the world reacts to what you do. So there could be, you know, Trinity could deploy more guards or whatever other supernatural m- m- mumbo jumbo is going to happen in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just I really liked the first two Tomb Raider games of the reboot. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this one, and I know they play sort of like the, I know they play like the Uncharted games now and blah de blah and all that stuff. Um, but that's fine for me personally. I have an Uncharted on my Xbox. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or Uncharted like game on my Xbox. Right. I don't think that's a big deal. Imitation is a finest from a fighter, some would say. You know, that's something, too. This one is not being launched exclusively on the Xbox. Yeah. Because they did that with Rise of the Tomb Raider. They launched it exclusively they on the Xbox. They launched it exclusively on Xbox, and it came to PS4 later on. Mm-hmm. It was a timed exclusive, yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see how people receive it, because, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And it definitely Have has to put- do with a um, lunar, lunar eclipse? Solar eclipse. Lunar eclipse. Lunar, I believe, yeah, because yeah. of the the moon with the in the O, whatever. Which looks really dope, by the way. Right. Did have you played any of the other games, any of the reboots? Um. Or are they not your thing? I think I played a demo to uh, the Tomb Raider reboot, and I don't really think I liked it. <laughs> okay. Like I felt it was too gruesome. And and, and that's why I said what I said. <laughs> it wasn't for you. Yeah, I mean it. <laughs> so I know you're right. It's like, you know, why do I need Mortal Kombat-esque murder scenes in my game? You know? Like, I hope... Some of them are pretty, uh... Some of them are, are, are pretty pretty gruesome, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything really, uh... Like, I was thinking more like Dead Space-style stuff. I haven't seen anything like that. That's well, just me. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I haven't died a whole lot. Yeah, but maybe. Who knows? Because there was a bit where she's, like, going down the river, and if you don't do something, she gets impaled on one of the um, branches there, and it, like, goes through her neck up through the top of her head. I don't know. Maybe you're just good at the game. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. That, that was from... I, I watched uh, Conan O'Brien. He did a Conan Gamer for Tomb Raider. So that's how I know that. Fair. I'm I'm not that bad, Byron. Oh no, I, I wasn't saying you are. I was not saying that at all. <laughs> You're gonna make me throw oh. down in the crucible now. <laughs> Show you what's one, up. You can one v one me, bro. Yeah. On May eighth, dude. <laughs> dude, you you played it so much more. You'll just murder me because you'll know where to hide. I'll be like, where are you? And then you're like, ah. We're gonna do it either way. We're gonna do it either way. It's gonna happen. Be great. Wait, but anyway, man. Why, wait, um, why can't on. it happen? No, uh, why? Wait, why can't it happen, or, or why? I thought you said would, it it wouldn't happen right now, anyways. No, because there's no there's no uh, private private matches. May eighth, though. Uh... Yes, we will one v one. May eighth, well, I got. You. <laughs> well, maybe we uh, four v four, two v two other guys, and whoever like 
gets the most revives and kills wins. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. We, we can solve we, this academically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right, you're right, we could. Do something fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but moving on. Yep, so my last bit of news story is that Belgium also finds that the loot box system violates gambling laws. Mm. So, the news story is that Belgium has declared the loot box systems in FIFA 18, Overwatch, Counter-Strike Global Offense illegal under Belgium gambling laws. Belgium's Prime Minister of Justice, Cohen Geens, I believe is how you pronounce that, stated that the offending content must be removed from the games. Failure to do so would result in fines of up to 80,000 euros and imprisonment. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, this adds more, like, how are they... Um, because now you have um, the Netherlands and Belgium are both saying that these are... Uh, they violate their gambling laws. Right. So, are they going to be removed from just those versions? Or are they going to do a whole sweeping change and remove them from uh, the whole uh, world versions? Or are they just going to adjust them so that they meet these uh, gambling laws set in by um, Belgium and the Netherlands? Yeah. Because two of those games, FIFA, FIFA was on both of those lists. Yeah. Um, but I guess the others didn't, because um, it was FIFA, Dota 2, uh, uh, PUBG, and yeah, yeah, Rocket PUBG, League. Yeah. And th- those were the four that the Netherlands said were bad. And so FIFA clearly has to change um, its gambling. <laughs> um, yeah, so this will be interesting. I don't know if you have words to say about it, Byron. No, I mean that's I'm I'm really just interested to see, like you said, what's gonna happen because I think the easiest thing to do, and this comes from a person who has not developed games or has no idea as far as that side of it goes, but I think the easiest thing to do would be to adjust it to meet their standards, right? Um, of you know of gambling, uh, however that works, but because I I can't imagine. Uh, them just getting rid of the loot box system from Overwatch or Counter-Strike or any of the other games entirely, just because that's kind of like the big um, portion of the game. I mean, I guess, I guess you, I guess you could do it and just give people tokens for playing the game, and then you use those to, you know, unlock the cosmetic things. But that also brings up the issue of why I stopped playing Siege. Right. Because they're too stingy with with the money. They're right. too stingy with the with their with the uh, R six credits. Like I I finish a game and I get like twenty five credits. Like what right. is this? I don't want to play this. This is not fun for me. So, so it's not rewarding enough for me. So. Yeah, and I don't so, know, man. Um, just a little bit here. Um, that it says that to determine whether the loot box systems were illegal in the Belgian Gaming Commission, they looked at two factors. Whether a purchase could lead to profit or loss, 
and whether or not the results of the bet were based on skill or merely luck. So it was decided that FIFA 18, Overwatch, and CSGO all had elements of chance in their MT systems and as yes. such fall under gambling laws of the country. Yeah, because they're all they're all luck of the draw things. With FIFA, you're getting the card packs, you know, spend mm. X amount of money or in-game currency to buy the cards, and right. you'll get whatever you get. Overwatch, same deal. You'll spend X amount of dollars, get X amount of loot boxes, or you'll or you'll get one for leveling up, or you know, completing an arcade, uh, completing a, a set one of arcade wins. You get loot boxes, open them up. Right. You get what you get. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to is that you can pay money to bet, essentially, yeah. or take a chance. Basically, yeah. You're paying money at a chance to get something. Yeah. Um, which constitutes as gambling for their system. Um, and I understand that because, uh, you know, if, if they just remove that ability, like, I don't know how you would do that. If you could get around with that you can just buy coins or would that still be, I mean, I guess that would still be because. Well, not really though. Cause if you, if you buy the coins, then if they don't have loot boxes or whatever, and you can just get what you want. If you buy the coins, uh, let's say a thousand coins cost you know, 10 bucks or whatever. I don't know. Just right. I remember that. Uh, you know, you get, you get the coins, you get whatever you want and then it's cool. There's no element of chance there because you're picking what you want from the coins or from you know purchasing the coins you're getting what you want right like overwatch oh i want a voice line it's 25 credits uh 25 dollars you know. damn <laughs> so you'll pay like a dollar to get a bundle of let's say 100 tokens and you know you get the voice lines you want from those tokens or whatever and that's cool you know because you're you're using your money to get what you want from the game right but i mean <clears throat> that that could be done, but uh, there are certain uh, casinos that you go in and you buy their coins or their slot machines, whatever. Yeah. And they will give you, like you play and you win those, and then you take those coins back and trade them in for money. Yeah. Because it's, it's generally cheaper and safer than having a bunch of coin machines that have money in them and having someone try to come in and jack your shit and, and steal all the money that's in them, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Most definitely. So that's what that's uh, some of the casinos do here. You'll go in, you'll say, hey, here's here's $5, you know, and then they'll give you whatever $5 in, in their currency is worth. You'll go and play games. You may win, you may lose. I don't do gambling because I went to the casino once. <laughs> Went in there with like, like it's like five bucks, left left with uh, thirty cents worth, and I was like, you know what? All right, that's cool. <laughs> I'm retired. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> retired, bro. Yeah, and so that's that's the same thing. Uh, I think with these is that you're spending money, and you're you're leaving with digital means, and they could be good digital means or bad digital means, and you don't know what you're getting. Like you said, yeah. if if it was, okay, you can buy this and you can you know pay X amount for these and you're, you know, good. But because they have that element of luck and chance, that it falls under gambling. 
Yeah. You know, honestly, if, if you could have where you could buy everything you wanted by, you know, spending money like DLC, but you could also earn these coins and use them in the luck of the draw, then that wouldn't be constituted gambling. But yeah, and, and and that's honestly what I would prefer. But I'll tell you what, though, if if like let's say FIFA for instance, if in FIFA you could buy the best card in the game for whatever dollar amount they set to it, wouldn't play it. That would give you even more reason to not play it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it would be because, to win. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, how? I mean, how, how do you do? Like, how do you do it? This is yeah. another question. Like, how do you do that? How do to you keep it from being paid away? Yeah. How do you keep putting gambling in games without making it be gambling? <laughs> because it's they make money. I mean, FIFA wouldn't be putting in their FUT program with their uh, my FUT players or whatever. Yeah. If football, football is the team, guys. He's not saying the other one. He's not cursing, I promise. <laughs> no. Football ultimate team. Football. Yeah. <laughs> Football. Yeah. Like, if they didn't make money off of it, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, because Mutt and the all, all the all the ultimate team modes make, uh, you know, 2K and EA massive amounts of money. Mm-hmm. So and it's you like can you tell. Said, trying to figure out how you can do it. Right, you can tell because I haven't checked out FIFA's Ultimate Team yet. I'm waiting for the game to become free on EA Access because I, um, long story short, I'm playing in a seasons mode with uh, one of my friends, and okay. we've actually ranked up. We've gone from nice. Division Ten to Division Nine, so yeah. So we're waiting for that, and then I'll check it out. But in all the others in um, their NHL Ultimate Team, their NBA Live Ultimate Team versus their Madden Ultimate Team, mm-hmm. you can tell which mode makes money. <laughs> you can. Like the NHL, they just have their stock photos for the players and their stats on the front of the card. And that's it. Compared to Madden's Ultimate Team, they have pictures of the players and they have them like in uh, cool poses and they'll have cool designs and backgrounds and stuff. And so you can tell which one makes the money. And so I assume FIFA, because it makes more money than Madden does, has a similar thing like that. And it's probably super glorious with pictures of the real people <laughs> kicking the ball I'll, and stuff. I'll have to check for you and see, because uh, I have the trial of FIFA 18 for EAX. I'll have to check it out just to see what the right. deal is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's just... Um, how, how do they keep that money, that income flowing and make it not gambling? Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, guys, whether we like it or not, these are businesses and their goal is to make money. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, honestly, they're going to, they have to do something. So they're going like, to have to, no, no choice. Yeah, it's not like they're going to go... Okay, no, they have a choice, but the other option is the worst outcome. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is that if uh, the Belgian Gaming Commission came to me and said, this is gambling, you have to remove it or get fined, I'm going to be like, I don't want to be fined. Yeah, right, I don't want to get fined. (laughs) So uh, I'm either going to ask them how I can change it to make it better, or I am going to remove it. Yeah. 
because that if you say if you if you go and you're like no i'm not doing this i'll take the fine like that's just that's putting yourself in a bad light for you know your company and you don't want to you don't want that you don't yeah. want your name ea being dragged through the mud more than it already is yeah we don't want this mud to turn into swamp water yeah so just gotta figure out something yeah i think we've kind of exhaust the topic though uh we haven't exhausted it we'll come back to it oh we i'm Sometime sure we will in we, the always future. we always do so don't do this to me my god sorry i was looking at my phone got a, got a message in my group chat talking about this is gonna be a new follow game don't don't mess me right now a new no. what game fallout a, a new follow game yeah don't okay still right now anyway no, if there's gonna be a new elder scrolls before we get a fallout they're gonna do starfield man i'm excited i don't even know what that is I've seen nothing for it. I haven't either. I've only heard like rumors and stuff, but apparently it's like a thing this year. We'll see. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll All see. right. Anyway. Last news. Anyway. Story. Yes. Last news story. Cool. So, <laughs> um, this is honestly one of the more confusing ones that I've seen, just because it's worded weird. But I'm going to okay. do my best to explain it as best I possibly can. So here we go. Twitch is going to uh, broadcast NFL games. All right. So. NFL and Amazon have announced an extension of their streaming deal uh, for Thursday night for Thursday night football games. Okay. For the uh, 2018 and 19 seasons, Amazon will stream all of Fox's Thursday night football games to more than 200 countries and areas around the world. So that that's 11 of the 13 Thursday night uh, football games. Um, but you'll need to have a Prime membership uh, to do this, as well as have the uh, Prime Video app. So, and that, for me, that's where the confusion comes in, because it sounds like I can't go to Twitch on a Thursday night and say, I want to watch football and go to, you know, the part of Twitch where you have the IRL stuff and watch football game. Right. Well, which is kind of frustrating for me. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you, I don't have cable in my room. I don't get to watch a whole lot of uh, football because of that. I like being in my own space. Right. Uh, so it'll be really nice to have that ability to just sit in my room and on Thursday night, if I'm home and not working, watch a football game or something. If it's good, it's freaking Browns and right. Titans may want to watch it. But... Watch a football game and talk to Kerfarful during it. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyways, I have uh, two points to uh, mention with this. Mm-hmm. And the first is that if it's like they did last year, you had to have Amazon Prime to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it showed up in your list, and you could go in and watch it during Prime. Um, so I imagine it's the same thing. Amazon Prime, or if you have Twitch Prime, you'll be able to watch it on Twitch. But it's it's going to require that subscription. Yeah. So if you go How in... How much is Amazon Twitch Prime? I have no idea. Well, right now, it is $99. But if you wait until... May something, it'll be a hundred and nineteen dollars. What for a year? Yeah, they're upping the price by twenty dollars in May. Oh my goodness! Okay, so not getting. <laughs> yeah, I mean they have a monthly subscription you can get, which I assume will go up here soon. Um, but monthly, it'll cost you one hundred and fifty-five dollars for Amazon Prime. You you mean yearly, right? Yes. 
for okay. the for the monthly. That oh, will cost the monthly subscription it will be equivalent to one fifty five a year. Yes, gotcha. but okay. they they haven't said if the monthly subscription is going up yet or if it's going to stay the same. Um, I yeah, I would imagine sure. you'd want the most value out of it, so you would increase the monthly charge. But who knows? Yeah, well, like I said, not getting Amazon Prime. God, cool. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think. Um, right I'm, now, I don't have money for all that. Yeah, I definitely think my subscription is up in February, so uh, I think I'm going to not renew it come this February. Uh, but we'll see. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about Amazon Prime? Just because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about it. Oh. I know, I know, I know for one thing, like it lets you get free shipping on stuff from Amazon, but that's about it. I think that's what it is anyway, right? Right. So Amazon Prime has so much stuff to it now um, that it's ridiculous. So we'll start with the obvious. Amazon Prime gives you a two-day free Prime shipping on a is. lot of items. There, uh, not everything on Amazon qualifies for it, and even some items, like there are add-on items that you have to buy a bunch of stuff in order to get the Prime shipping. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. So. Uh, but that's that's the first thing. That's what it started with. Now, they also have Prime Videos, which are a selection of videos that they have that um, you can only, or not only, but you can watch them uh, through Prime. They're free as a part of their Amazon video service. And uh, they even have some really cool um, shows. Like, I've been watching their All or Nothing. I don't know if you've seen any of those. I have not. I have not. Yeah, so they're they're all or nothing. So they they're on their third season, which just came out uh, this week. The first season they followed the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, you know what? That's also included in the in the thing as well in the Twitch thing I was talking about. Yes, because um, I don't know if Twitch Prime is cheaper than Amazon Prime, and that's the confusing part. But yeah. you you do get Twitch Prime if you are an Amazon Prime member. Hmm. Okay. So Twitch Prime is included with Amazon Prime. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, All or Nothing, they spent a season with the LA Rams, and now they're on a season with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so that's, that's what the, the season's going to cover, I believe. Yeah, so it's the previous season, which um, I love the documentaries. Like They're really cool. They're really well done. Um, it's going to be hard for me to get through the Dallas Cowboys because – they are like the second most hated team by me. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, so, gonna go see Jerry World. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, dude. They. Oh my goodness. Anyways, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you get the Prime videos, and there's there's more than just the All or Nothing. Those are just the sports documentaries. Yeah. There's like The Tick, and there's other shows that are exclusive to Prime themselves. Um, they've also added Amazon Music, which is just like uh, the Prime videos. It's a selection of music that you stream from your service that's a part of the Amazon service on there. Um, they have a couple of select books that you can get free for a month. Because there's also a, like a Kindle Unlimited, which is not included in Prime. But you do get like uh, one or two free books out of a selection of like six books you can get with your prime uh membership and uh there's there's actually quite a bit more 
that's not um, not as uh, I guess it's not used as much I guess is what I'm trying to say but you can like share your prime membership with your family too so if you have an account like your mom has an account your brother has an account you can share your prime membership with them uh, because they're in the same household so they get the prime gotcha. benefits as well okay that's pretty cool let's get some myself mm-hmm um, but yeah so that's pretty much the the biggest thing that prime has is free shipping free movies free music uh, the twitch prime stuff uh, yeah okay fair enough I, I'm just like because I, I had no idea what it was all about and I'm I hear this Twitch broadcast info games I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go on there watching games. And then I was reading the article. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I'm hope so, man. the next thing that that brings up is why, why is our local markets? Like, why is my local Fox station not putting their stream up on the internet? Because, I mean, they, they're giving their stream free uh, from antennas, like you can watch them if you have a, an antenna, you know. So why aren't they putting a stream up where you can go in and watch them and get your ads and get everything that you would get running an antenna? Yeah, because really, like most people nowadays, at least people my age anyway, uh, don't, or and even some older people, I'm sure, you know, don't use their TV a lot because you can just stream everything. Yeah, most things you can stream now. But, like, live TV, for some reason, one of those things that you just don't or can't stream. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why stuff like Twitch and uh, YouTube, this is why they're winning. Because they you can just go in and set up a stream and just let it go all day, if that's what you want. You know? I, I get the cable companies, like ESPN and TNT and uh, AMC and, you know, all the others... I get that they are a paid subscription and so you should pay to watch them so they can get money to make their content. I get that. But I don't get why our local channels are so afraid to broadcast their stuff live. And even then, even then if you wanted to, you could have your local station be like, hey, you know, we're a local station. If you want to support us, you know. Right. Either, either either through donations or like or a monthly fee or something. I don't know how you want to do it. But they, you know, those stations get paid by the ads. People yeah, watch right. them. But yeah, they get paid by ads exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the more people that are watching their station, the more they can go. Well, we have this many people, so we're going to charge more for our ads because you yeah, have more people that's watching. That's how they just get their money. Yeah. So why are they not putting it online where they can say this is how many viewers we have? So right. we, the ads need to go up because we got more people streaming us and watching TV. Because I've actually gone to my local channels, and they actually do have a stream, but you have to log in with like a DirecTV account or a Dish mm -hmm. Network account, or yeah, you know, it's like but, log in through your cable provider to get access to it. Yeah, but I can just go buy a TV antenna, hook it up, and watch for free. Like, why are you making me jump through hoops? I I mm -hmm. don't I don't get the logic behind that. Yeah, hopefully this is something that will change in the future, and we can have access to all that fun stuff. I think it will, but I think it'll be too late. Places yeah. like Twitch and YouTube will already own that market, and so no one will even check 
their local channels and stuff. And so I, I think those TV channels will have to move on to like Twitch or whatever. I think we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago with the coffee grinders. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I think we definitely did. But, but yeah. I mean, to, to close up the story, um, if you want access to this uh, stuff, you'll have to get the Prime. You'll have to have Prime or get Prime and the, and the video app as well to get access to it. So, yeah. NFL games. There's an football. Get it. Or don't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was that it? Did you want to talk about the uh, top, top uh, tournament before we uh, get out of here? Um, sure. So, we're still doing the top 300 tournament on uh, Joystick's Facebook page and on the uh, Twitter account for R&R. So, you can uh, like and retweet which game you want to win and that will count as votes and whoever gets the highest votes moves on to the next round until we crown a champion of the best 300 games which won't be for a few months but still working at it you are doing an awesome job with that whole thing by the way Mm -hmm. thank you so we i mean yeah we still haven't gotten out of the first round and we're about a month in um so it's yeah it's gonna be just a little bit longer a little bit of time a little bit yeah. Well, thankfully, once we get out of the first round, the amount of time to get to the third round will be cut in half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But uh, that's it, right? We're done? Yeah, we're done. And we're out of here. Thank you all so much for tuning in to 42 of the r Gaming Podcast. Once again, we are a part of the Joystick Entertainment Network. Before we get out of here, Ken... Yeah, so you can find us all on Twitter, the show at R&R Gaming Pod. That's R-A-N-D-R Gaming P-O-D. You can find myself on Twitter, MacroboV. That's M-A-C-R-O-B-O-V. Byron's on Twitter at B underscore Ron 1417. Where else can they find us, Byron? You can find us on iTunes, on the Google Play Store, Google Play Music, and the CastBox app. R and R A R and R with the ampersand uh, gaming podcast. You'll find us there as well um, on iTunes. Five star, five stars, and leave reviews. It'll help us improve the show. And um, you as far and you can also find me on uh, Twitch as well. That is twitch.tv slash b underscore wrong one four one seven. Streaming all sorts of things over there. I'm uh, doing a whole lot of things. I love it. Right now, I'm playing through Life is Strange before the storm. Um, as of recording, I'm going to stream some of it a uh, little later on today, around like 4 p.m. Eastern. But um, if you're listening to this after, which obviously you will be, uh, go check it out. There'll probably, there'll probably be a replay of it on the channel. So do that. We'll we'll probably be doing some more R&R plays here uh, in the coming weeks. I hope so. <laughs> Boy, have yeah. I been bored. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, my dude. Anyway, guys. Thank you all so much for checking us out this week. They got to come back next week. Super Retro Makers, tell them why. Come back next week because everybody <laughs> could use a little bit of R&R.
world where Google Hangouts doesn't work correctly. <laughs> One man must get an invite link manually. Sorry, I'm actually really nervous because it's my first time doing something like this. <laughs> Talking to a developer of a game is something that's really new to me. So I'm just super nervous about the whole thing. So, oh, well, cool. if it makes you feel any better, we're equally as nervous talking to anyone else. And if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel better, I'm not even wearing pants. So, <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't think that makes me feel better per se, but it does make me feel something. <laughs>